Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! What is going on, OTC listeners? Another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast is your love today. <laughs> There's a reason why I decided to start that off a little bit. <laughs> Just wanted to have a little bit of fun. What's up, guys? As my fake carnage voice that just happened, welcome to another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast. And today, it's a Tuesday. We're back on a Tuesday. Holy shit, there is so much to talk about today. I don't even want to beat around the bush. Just so, I, I, Jesus, I just literally hurt my throat doing that. <laughs> the life of a voice actor, I swear. There's a lot that needs to be talked about. There's a lot that needs to be addressed. There's a lot that we need to dive right in. Welcome back to another episode of the top five comic book content of the week. Considering the fact that I did say that I was going to do a Venom spoiler-free review, depending on what time I was going to see Venom, let there be carnage over the weekend. I saw it the first time. I saw it one time. Then I had to see it again because I wanted to be sure in terms of what I was feeling at that time was not predicated to the past negative comments that other people have made or I'm trying to base something out of my own judgment. It's it's one of those types of things. And again, there's just so much that happened over the past week. I realized, you know what? Let me address all this off and let me save Venom. Let there be carnage for the main event of the evening. Section by Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast. I swear, if if I can get Bruce Buffer to just do that intro for me, you know what? That's what I should start doing. I need to contact Bruce Buffer as a as a Christmas treat to myself and just have uh, maybe I can write him a script and then maybe he can do like an outro thing for me because you know how the outro is always just the song, but how awesome would it be if I could get Bruce Buffer to outro my podcast music? Of course, it's going to cost me an arm, a leg, and a fucking head. But hey, we can dream. We can dream. Let me not beat around the bush anymore. Let me go into the top five comic book content of the week. But first, like we always do about this time, let's get the shout out out of the way. Well, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, Garcia. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. We got to address some things first. Well, what do you mean address some things? Oh, well, <laughs> of course. You got to tell the people, don't forget to Hulk smash that like button, that follow button on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever, Google Podcasts, whatever the case may be, because it helps me out tremendously when you do. You can continue to share this podcast and every single thing that you do. Are we good? Of course we're good. Now, like we always do about this time before I was rudely interrupted by my other self, Let's get the shout-outs out of the way, shall we? And I want to give a major t- shout-out... Tal. <laughs> I want to give a major shout-out to New York Comic Con. I will be there this Thursday. It's the event, a one-year event in New York that always happens every year. I always look forward to it. Hopefully, I won't be burned out like I did last time because I'm only going to be there for probably about six hours as opposed to eight to nine hours that I was there before. Not to mention, I know exactly who I want to go to in, ter- in terms of getting exclusives art. Jamie Tyndall, J. Scott Campbell, Greg Horn. You know, the list can go on and on. You know, meet certain wrestlers and meet certain people, the voice actors that I really want to get because I remember I met... Which voice actor did I meet last time? I forgot his name. I can't. I'm punch. I want to punch myself in the in the face for forgetting his name. The voice of Nero from Devil May Cry. He he was the Black Ranger for Power Rangers back then in the '90s and early 2000s. So I'm I'm sure once it's gonna it's it's gonna. Oh my God! I can't rem- I can't remember the name for the life of me. You know what? This is what I'm gonna do. I know this is a very unprofessional thing, but I'm just gonna look it up right now because if I don't say the name then all of a sudden, I know full well that it's just going to eat away at me. It's going to eat away at me in any way, shape, or form. 
Let's see. The voice acting. There we go. Johnny Young Bosch. I remembered I met him. And I really wanted to get an autograph. I really wanted to get, you know, the custom picture of the Devil May Cry because I just beat the game. And he was charging like around $100. And that's the thing about these people whenever you meet them is the fact that they charge so fucking much. And yet, there are people that are just dropping stupid amounts of money just to even get anything. Just a picture, an autograph, or anything. But, I've established today, well, many people have established already... Selfies are the new autographs. No one really buys autographs anymore unless it's someone that you truly, truly follow and you truly admire. And that's, it's a subjective thing. You know, whatever floats your boat, it's it's whatever it is, whatever floats your boat. Regardless, I will be there Thursday, I would say around from 1 to closing time, which is 7. If for any reason you're there and you want to say hello, you want to say what's up. I'm more than welcome to do it. I'm I'm not even famous for anyone to even recognize me. So that's besides the point. But I'm wanting to be there to have a good time. Keep a steady budget. And then do what I can to do what I do best. Just meet people. Have fun. Check out cool, awesome costumes. Hopefully I don't, you know, break the bank. And we'll see what happens. And I'll tell you all about it come Friday. I'll tell you all about it come Friday. That's all we have for the shoutouts. Let's dive into our top five comic book content of the week. That comes right in a bit. Just so you guys know, this episode will most likely be around 45 minutes to an hour because like I said, there is just so much to say, there is just so much to get into. And the last thing I want to do is rush myself in terms of rushing my way of thinking because I really want to connect to you. I I really want to take this opportunity to really dive into what I'm about to say in terms of everything. Now, as you know, if you're new to this, welcome. Every top five comic book content, it starts with the least relevant to the most relevant. And we know Venom, Let There Be Carnage will be the number one spot, which means I'm going to save that for last. As of right now, let's get started. Coming at you at number five, we have NFTs. Apparently, DC Fandom, which will be released and will be broadcasted on October 16th, which is only literally a week and a half away, they are giving away free NFTs to those that registers for the site quickly. I believe you have a limited amount of a limited amount of time in order to register so you can get the NFTs before they go away completely. I have to be honest, I don't know anything about NFTs. I really don't. I know there there's some kind of tokens. I know that a few people that I personally don't know but I've heard of sold a shit ton for a shit ton of money. Considering the fact that NFTs, you know, it's a subjective perspective because it's one of those moments where you're like, all right, do I hold on to this as a souvenir? Like, do I trade it off? Is it like a trading card? Is it like, you know, like, what is it? What exactly is it? And personally, I really don't know what it is. But I do know that someone told me that people are dropping stupid amounts of money for this thing. And if DC Fandom, in a way, is actually giving these out, it's probably their way of contributing, you know, to get us to engage. Because engaging with the audience is what's key. Engaging with who you're talking to and who your audience is, is always the best way for them to engage into your product. That's pretty much marketing and engagement 101. So, for the NFTs, that's exactly what they're doing. I guess I'm all for it. Um, Again, I don't know anything about it. I do know that, as I said, it's coming out... The DC Fandom event will be on October 16th, which is literally a day. I believe that's a Saturday. Yes. Yes, because October 15th is Halloween Kills, which is on a Friday. And yes, okay, so DC Fandom will be on a Saturday. Chances are they're going to do the same thing. Eight-hour event, and they're going to play it three times for the whole 24 hours. Chances are I'm most likely going to watch it towards the nighttime. And I'm going to try to avoid any spoilers of any new trailers or anything else that's going to happen. 
The thing with me, and I've already said this before, I don't like to look forward to something that I've already seen before. And considering the fact that there are so many things that have been postponed already, it's just going to create a sense of false hope for me. And it's one of those moments where I think to myself, you know what? I don't mind if I push this aside. I don't mind if I can just take this to another perspective or to be exact, just move on. You know, if this is something that I can afford to skip, this is something I can afford to skip. Me being a huge DC Comics fan, it is what it is. But if you want the NFTs, I guess you have to Google it, see how you can register. Go to dcfandom.de.com. I was about to say .de.com and see if you can get your hands on one. Hell, maybe I'll try it later on. Maybe they'll have NFTs at New York Comic Con this Thursday. You never know. You never know. So... I guess get your hands on a free NFT if you want, I guess. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know anything about it. So I'm like, ooh, yeah, ooh, whichever the case may be. Coming at number four. What is going on in number four? Oh, yes, of course. Scarlett Johansson versus Disney. The settlement is done. What did I say? What did I say? For one thing, my initial reaction, it happened way faster than I expected. I kid you not. It happened way... It was only two months that we've actually heard about this news. Where Scarlett Johansson decided to sue Disney. And basically because, as you already know, her movie was supposed to be on theaters, in theaters. And then Disney was like, nah, we're just going to put it on Disney+. Plus." And we're probably going to make our profit that way. It is what it is. Pandemic and everything else. Now we already know the story. We don't have to rehash it even though I kind of just did. We don't have to rehash the same thing over and over. But my question to you is this. And this is something that I really, really am trying my best to think about in a certain perspective. Because there are two views that you can look at this from a unique, a unique perspective, so to speak. Did Scarlet beat Mickey Mouse. I don't want to hear, oh, well, it's a settlement. That means both sides got what they want. No, 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 no. No. Don't get me with that bullshit. That's not how it goes. How it goes is when you have, when you deal with a major corporation, a major monopoly like Disney, they do not want to bow down to anybody. But I did say that if this lawsuit continued on and on, chances are they would have had more to lose in terms of sponsors, in terms of dealerships, and dealerships, like I'm selling a car or something. Well, actually, yeah, sponsors and dealerships. Yeah, why not? You know, because they're heavily connected to all sorts of things, especially when it comes to merchandise sales. Directors were about to walk out the door. Actors were about to walk out the door. Chances are they would try to find a clause or... Um, there's an old saying that Paul Heyman once said around 10 years ago or something. When a ship goes down... Everyone starts to have a claim. And I never knew what that meant until I kept hearing what was going on with Disney. Because remember, Emma Stone also went after Disney. I'm sure other people went after Disney. I'm sure, you know, maybe not producers or directors, but actors and maybe someone that worked on a production. Like, ever since Scarlett Johansson actually made this announcement and she decided to tackle on Mickey Mouse herself, Things were going to get shaky, a little bit shaky. But at the same time, you have to think about it where it's like, you know what? You could either be for her or against her. And I understand a lot of people were against the idea of supporting someone that's worth over $150 million. But on the flip side to that, you also have to understand, and I say this from time and time again, if you believe that you know full well of what you're worth and you're going to fight for every single penny that you're worth, by all means, fucking go for it. Go for it. And don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. But with this, two months later, and then all of a sudden everything is settled, which I predicted and a lot of us predicted as well. So according to the news reports... She got paid around $40 million. That the details of the settlement were, are not disclosed to public, but one or a few sources indicates that she got paid $40 million. And then all of a sudden, everything is cool. Disney and Scarlett, they're buddy buddies now. Yada yada, right off into the sunset. I'm going to tell you right here and now. There's no way in bloody hell that she just made $40 million. There's no way. 
I guarantee you there is way more that went on in that contract or in that settlement where she got paid or she got way more than just the money. She could be, maybe there's a new deal, a new movie deal that Disney can make with her where she can get a bigger uh, pay stub or, or a bigger pay from them depending on how well it does. Maybe there's something where she can direct the film or produce the film and she gets the majority of profits from that. Like, there's something else that went on in that settlement. And like I said, the true details of the settlement are not disclosed to public. So we only know what is presented to us. We only know what is reported to us. And I guarantee that she got way more than just that money. And of course, you're probably thinking, well, Garcia, how can you come to this conclusion? How could your minuscule brain that have no idea what's going on in the back lines of Disney and Scarlet Joe, how can you possibly come to the conclusion? Let me ask you this. Do you honestly think that a woman as high-valued as Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow herself, a person that's worked with Disney in the biggest brand of the MCU for the past decade, can truly settle on in having and just making $40 million? What? What? This is the same woman that wanted to make $100 million to begin with. And she, what, do you think her lawyer got to her behind her ear you think her husband her new husband came to her and be like listen babe this is a never-ending battle let's just take what we can get right now we have a family we 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 have a mansion you're already worth a shitload of money as if fuck no no way no fucking way now maybe there is a perspective that that did happen let's take that face value maybe that did happen maybe Someone got behind her ear, maybe her husband, maybe her lawyer, maybe, you know, her family members, maybe, you know, the other Avengers cast. Maybe someone got to her behind closed doors and said, look, Scarlett, let's face facts here, okay? You're worth over $100 million. What's another 50? What, 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 what's, what's another 20? What's another 30? You're going to make that back later on in time. You're going to do something else? You're going to be big. You're going to be huge. You're already big and huge. You are, you've pioneered everywhere for females, transcending to the essence of time in terms of acting. Biggest that you are, what's another 20 or $30 million? Come on. No fucking way. No way. Because if that was the case, she would never have filed lawsuits to begin with. And I guarantee... I guarantee this was a not this was not a decision that she made on her own. I'm sure she spoke about it with her husband. I'm sure she spoke about it with her fa- uh not her fans, her family, you know, the people that she closely trusts before she made the decision to even make the lawsuit. Okay? And another thing you have to take into play here. Do you think Disney was ever going to back down to her demands? No. They were not going to. But because full well that Disney stood way more to lose in terms of everything that I mentioned before, they had no choice but to play ball. They had no choice but to meet to at least some of her demands, at least meet in the middle. And that's exactly what happened. So this reiterates the question. Did Scarlett Johansson, did the Black Widow, did our awesome redhead assassin beat Mickey Mouse? One can argue she did by having Mickey Mouse bow down or at least come close. People can say it's a tie. People can say that it was mutual. People can say all these types of things. I don't buy that for a second. I don't. Perception. There's some one thing that we learned in the army. Perception is reality. Perception is reality. And if you think that something is most likely true, it usually is. Intuition. It's right here. It's, it, you can feel it into your core. You can feel it down to your bum. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Regardless, congratulations to Scarlett Joe. Like I said, I'm sure she got way more than $40 million than what is reported. And chances are, maybe within the next few weeks to a month, there's going to be more details that's probably going to leak from the settlement clause, or you're going to see her in some other Disney stuff, some something else that has to do with her. This is not the last time you're going to hear of her within Disney. Maybe Black Widow is done. 
Maybe the character herself is done and maybe she may not return ever again. Chances are that is going to happen. But you're definitely going to see her again within Disney. You are. Especially when it comes to a multi-billion dollar like that. You're going to see her again. So congratulations to her. Congratulations for sticking to her guns. Congratulations to getting way more than what is being reported. And, you know, it is what it is. Scarlett Joe, you're the man. You're the woman. You're the woman. I don't know how to fucking end that. I really don't. Coming at number three. We spent a lot of time on that one. Coming at number three. Echo. The Hawkeye spinoff series. Echo. There is a chance. There is a, And this is a rumor. And you know me. You know I don't like to spend on rumors. I really don't. I need hard concrete facts before I can even mention this. But because this is near and dear to my heart. There is no way that I could pass this up. There is no way. There is no way. There is no way. There is a chance that the entire cast of Daredevil. Will be making their return. And be part of the Echo TV series for Disney+. Plus. I'm going to have a little bit of a silence here. Because I want to scream so badly. I want to be like, fuck yes, man. I don't care how Daredevil is brought back. Assuming that he's not going to be in the Spider-Man movie that's coming out in December... I want Daredevil to come back. I want Kingpin to come back. Echo, from what I'm able to understand, is a Native American, a deaf Native American hero with a white handprint on her face and is essentially the adopted daughter of Kingpin. Sorry if I just spoiled that for you, but this is comic book knowledge. And she's, I wouldn't say heavily associated with Daredevil, but she's associated with Daredevil in some way, shape, or form. And what better way to bring her in, since she's going to be in the Hawkeye TV show, what better way to bring her in and have her own show and to bring back our favorite, the fan favorites of Daredevil. You know, Charlie Cox, Kingpin, Foggy Nelson, Karen Page. Maybe, I doubt Elektra is going to be there, but all of our other fan favorites. And why the fuck not? Why not? But of course, every coin has its two sides, and every front hand has a back hand, whatever the hell that means. I just came up with that off the top of my head. It is under the Marvel brand. So it makes me think that they're not going to be as mature as they were at Netflix. It's that That's not really much of a problem for me personally, I just don't want anything to be degraded just because it's under a new umbrella, which chances are it will be. I mean, look what happened with the Deadpool 2 movie when they when they decided to do a PG-13 rating. It just wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. It was nothing more than a cash grab. So, if this is true, and we do get Daredevil and Kingpin and everybody else as part of the Marvel brand for Disney+, Plus, I'm excited, but cautious. Excited. But cautious. Even though it's just a rumor. Sometimes. I wouldn't say sometimes. But some rumors are true. Some rumors are true. And there are times where we just have to take it with a grain of salt. So. We'll see what happens. But first and foremost. I definitely want to see if Daredevil will be. Or Charlie Cox. Matt Murdock will be in Spider-Man in some way shape or form. Because I know full well there will be people screaming at the big screen. And just clapping their hands and just being like, yes, yes, there he is, there he is, there's Daredevil, there's the Daredevil, the man without fear, let's do this, ah! There's going to be a lot of people screaming, I guarantee it. Coming at number two, the co-main event of the evening. God damn, I want to do that Bruce Buffer voice so badly, I really do. The co-main event of the evening. I'm going to take a small breather for a second. Did you see? Did you see Marvel's What If last Wednesday? Oh my god. First of all, spoilers for those that have not seen it. If you 
have not seen it, this is going to be spoiler territory. And by the way, before I continue on, I'm going to make sure that I have timestamps where if you don't want to watch or listen to the entire episode, because I know this is going to be a little long. I'm going to have timestamps at the ending of this podcast. It's going to be in the description. So that way you'll know more or less in terms of when you can click onto something if you don't want to hear it or if you don't want to hear the whole thing. I'm going to start trying to do that a little bit more from now on. But I feel like this is a good uh, this is a good occasion to do it. So I'm just stating that. Now, as let's get back to the program. Spoilers for Marvel's What If. There is a reason why I've stated many times before why Ultron is my favorite MCU villain. Over Loki, over Thanos, over Killmonger, over any of these other MCU villains, Ultron is the one that gets it done. Now, a lot of people hated Age of Ultron. A lot of people had their quips. And a lot of people had their reasons and all that other bullshit. But you know what? Go fuck yourself. Ultron is my guy. Why is he my guy? Well, not the fact that he's voiced by James Spader, which is that robotic, you all have strings. You know, I, I can't do I want to do that voice so badly, I can't fucking do it. Don't worry. Don't worry. Never say never. I never die. We never say die. Fucking hell, man. Let me calm down for a second. If you've seen the episode, Ultron, Ultron Vision to be exact, single-handedly fucking broke the multiverse. The episode was called What If Ultron Won? And the episode itself, a post-apocalyptic era where you knew full well everything was going to die once Ultron made his vision body and essentially broke everything, destroyed everything. That's one thing that I loved about Ultron aside from everybody else. When Ultron says that he was going to do something, he fucking does it. He doesn't have human emotions. Yeah, he has uh, Tony Stark's personality in a little sense. He doesn't have human emotions. He wants to eradicate human life. Now, I understand that villains in general, the best way for us to connect to them is for us to sympathize with them because let's face it, Every villain, what makes a great villain, they believe that they are the hero of their own story. And we've seen that many times before, especially fan favorites. Thanos, Loki, you know, everybody else that I mentioned and probably more that I forgot. But Ultron is a different case to me because he doesn't need excuses. He has no rhyme or reason to do what he does. He just does it. He was programmed to, in in an essence way, in a dark and twisted way, save the world he was programmed to do that and the best way to save the world is to eradicate human life in his mind so when he when he bonded with when he bonded with the vision body and he became ultron vision no one could stop him no one he essentially killed everyone with the exception of black widow and hawkeye sort of with hawkeye by the way, I love the mirror thing where they, it which was a nod to Black Widow. I, fucking dog always outside, fucking barking. I swear to God, God damn it! Every time. This is why I need to build a stronger booth to draw that out. I apologize, guys. I apologize, but I love the fact that they paid homage to Avengers Endgame, where. It was Black Widow that sacrificed herself in that movie. And in this episode, it was Hawkeye that sacrificed himself. So I thought that that was... I thought that was great homage to it. And it didn't bring a tear to my eye, but it was definitely emotional. But Ultron Vision... First of all, as soon as Thanos came in through the portal, got all five Infinity Stones, and then Ultron Vision just basically cut him in fucking half. By the way, again, another homage to the fact that... Thanos was so obsessed with having half the universe just blipped out of the radar or or blipped out of the universe and half of it would be done. And then all of a sudden he got cut in half by Ultron Vision himself. And it's funny to me when I went on Twitter and I looked at everybody else and people complained about the same thing. You mean to tell me that Ultron would have done that from the very get-go? You mean to tell me that, 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 um, not Ultron, I'm sorry, Vision could have done that from the very get-go? Listen. 
just because Vision had the capabilities of doing that, and remember, this is Ultron Vision, not Vision himself, not Jarvis Vision. Just because Vision had the capabilities of doing that doesn't mean that he could have or he would have. You know? I don't know if this is a good example, but if you're a Dragon Ball Z fan or Dragon Ball Super, you know, you can have a character like Goku and Goku Black. Same body, different people. And one can do way more than the other for the simple reason that it becomes, it comes right down to their personalities or their skill sets or their intention to fight and even their intention to kill. Vision doesn't really kill if you truly think about it. I mean, yeah, there were the Ultron drones, the Ultron robots, but he doesn't really kill, you know, because he's, he's a soft soul. He's a good person. Ultron Vision doesn't give a fuck. Ultron Vision will slice you in half and will care nothing about it. So when the episode continued and he essentially, not only did he destroy the world, he basically destroyed every other world, Asgard, you know, the, the worlds of the Guardians of the Galaxy and everything else. There was nothing that stood in his way. And then to make matters on top of all that, he goes up against the Watcher. It was Vision, Ultron Vision, against the Watcher. And Ultron Vision already has the Infinity... He already has all Infinity Stones, which means he's probably the most powerful being. Let me tell you this. And considering the fact that, you know, it was already been established that this storyline is canon, whether you believe it or not, it's completely up to you. You think the TVA can stop someone like that? You think Kang the Conqueror can stop someone like that? You think... You think any of those motherfuckers can beat them? What? Dude. If we can get an Ultron Vision as a live action... Oh my goodness. No one would stop him. Absolutely no one would stop him. And that leads me to the season finale that's happening tomorrow. I caught glimpses and pieces of the season finale trailer sometime around last week or the week before. I don't remember when it came out. I didn't want to spoil myself, and I said this time and time again, I didn't want to spoil myself to knowing what was going to happen. But then it makes sense that a being, a, a, a godlike deity type of a being, which is essentially a machine, an android, like this, and you would need different characters from different universes to come together as one. I don't want to spoil too much of what may happen in the season finale in case you didn't see the trailer, but the fact that Doctor Strange Supreme, or Dark Supreme, however you want to refer to him, he'll be making his comeback, chances are Thor will be making his comeback, and everybody else, and you're going to get a brand new set of Avengers. And I think that's exciting, because it's a different perspective, it's a different Elseworlds storyline. Shit is going to hit the brick, and I hate the fucking fact that it's only 30 minutes. I hate it. I hate I hate the fact that it's only 30 minutes. It's insane to me that you can have a season finale like this and it's only run down to 30 minutes. Then again, if it was 45 minutes to an hour, chances are the show would have filled it up with pointless filler, which happens from time to time. It's sad, but it happens from time to time. Overall, I didn't think any episode was going to surpass my favorite one, which is the Doctor Strange episode of uh, 4, episode 4. But I was mistaken, and chances are this one can surpass all of them combined. Because I was thinking to myself, as I was watching these episodes on Marvel's What If, where exactly are they leading to? You have all of these different perspectives, you have all these different universes, and you have the Watcher watching everything as the Watcher is our narrator. But where... Where is it leading to? Like, are we just going to get individual stories one by one? Or, like, what? Like, what? What? Who cares? And it turns out it was leading up to this moment. And if you can tell me that there's another villain that could surpass what Ultron Vision has done, this dude ate a fucking galaxy for God's sake, man. He ate a fucking galaxy. I don't, I don't care. I'm going to be honest. I don't care what you say. 
in a way. It, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks or what anybody... Well, well, this villain has done this and this villain... That, no. Ultron Vision broke the multiverse. Fucking broke it. And it's up to a new set of Avengers to try to take him down. And who knows if they're going to take him down. Maybe chances are he'll be the ultimate victor at the end of the day. Who the hell knows? I'm just saying Ultron has been and will always be my favorite MCU villain. And that's all I got to say about that. We have reached the point and I'm not going to lie. I'm exhausted, but that's not going to stop me from speaking my mind. Venom, let there be carnage. Full spoiler review. I got, oh my goodness. My stomach is growling. I'm shaking up. My, 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 I'm, I'm trying to be like the rock right now. I got electricity coming up my arm. I got, I'm getting enraged. I'm doing what I can to get things done in order to ensure that I give, deliver the best content that I can give. Let me stop eating around the bush. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to see how I can set this up for you so I can truly speak my mind in terms of what I thought about this movie, what I liked, what I didn't like, and so on and so forth. So here is this. If only that dog would fucking stop barking. This is why I barely do pay-to-plays anymore during the day. I really need to set to see if I can build a separate booth for myself. One that can support the way, but who knows? We'll see what happens. Venom, Let There Be Carnage, full spoiler review. It's hard for me, as an ultimate fanboy of these characters, to differentiate myself in terms of loving these characters putting aside whatever red flags, putting aside whatever problems, whatever choices that the studio or the director or the writers have made versus the actual production themselves. When we want to see a movie so badly and we want to praise it so badly, sometimes we trick ourselves into thinking that the movie can be still be awesome despite its flaws because we just fall in love with the character so much. And I was having a very hard time to separate myself from someone that can judge this movie on an unbiased perspective. I said it from the beginning. I had concerns. I said it from the beginning that there were a few things that, that worried me. PG-13... I get if you rewatch Venom over and over, which I have a few times, the PG-13 rating kind of works in that movie. Kind of. I'm not saying completely, but kind of. Because there is a sort of an innocent feel and a feel-good type of a moment because the Venom movie is fun. It's enjoyable. And you can enjoy it despite the flaws that it has. So even though it was PG-13 and the fact that the studios was probably thinking, well, this movie already surpassed a billion dollars at the global box office. Therefore, let's not change the formula and let's continue on with this. PG-13 has hurt this movie greatly to a degree that cannot be fathomed in any way, shape, or form. You're dealing with a character, a serial killer... That has explained in the movie that Woody Harrelson, Cletus Cassidy, killed his grandma, killed his mom in the most horrific ways. Took a screwdriver right next to the dog to chance are they was going to... You get my point. You get my point. All of this hurt the movie so badly because it was the lack of details... That assinuated a character to his full potential. And not just him, but Venom too. When you have characters that talks about eating brains. And you have characters that kills. And you have characters that essentially are anti-heroes. And what they're doing may be graphic, may be grotesque. But in a way, it's good for the, it's good for the, the people or for the humanity or whatever the case is. PG-13... I cannot stress this enough of how much that I hated the PG-13 rating of this film. This movie could have been so much better than what it was. And, for, and if you're one of those people, if you're the type of person to be like, well, Garcia, it's not really that big of a deal. It's not really, you know, it's a PG-13 film. Eh, who cares? Yeah, yeah, okay. Can you say that if Michael Myers was PG-13? 
Can you say that if Jason X was PG-13? Can you say that if Freddy Krueger was PG-13? Can you say that if Texas Chainsaw Massacre Leatherface was PG-13? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It doesn't fucking work. You can try it, but there's a reason why those movies are rated R. Horror. The elements of horror. You have slasher films. You have horrifying monsters. You have all of these elements that combines into one. And we have a character like Carnage that essentially is his fucking name that is being hosted by a serial killer psychopath that cares nothing but wanting to kill in every single thing and what he does. And by the way, I'm going to tackle on into Woody Harrelson's character a little bit more on that in a bit. But when you have a character like Carnage that is not utilized to his full potential, and yes, there are many scenes where he has wreaked havoc. There are many scenes where, you know, he uses his tendrils to attack people, to throw them and and and, and, and bounce them and... And, you know, he does this Tasmanian tornado thing. I don't know what the hell that was about, but it was pretty fucking cool. And and the fact that he that he had his tongue into someone's throat and it's not being ripped out from the inside where you can see it. Or the fact that he's killing um, a psychiatrist, the nurse, off screen. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh my god. Oh my god. Come on, guy. Come on. God damn, what wasted potential. And before you continue on, no, I'm not a sick individual. No, this is not what I think about on a daily basis. I don't want anyone to try to cancel me for the cancel culture to be like, oh my god, podcaster Mike Garcia of Outside the Comics Volume 2 is now talking about killing people because he gets off to it. No, these have horror elements and needs to be utilized within a film because that is cinema that is movies and if you're too sensitive to even watch it then it's clearly not for you why do you think joker was rated r from 2018 because it had it didn't obviously didn't have gore didn't have well it had some blood but it didn't have gory moments it was because of the dark themes of an individual that is sick in the head and we watch him descend themselves into into madness and self-annihilation. You have Carnage in the comics that was inspired by the Joker and could have done, nearly could have done the same thing, just, uh, just have the opposite effect. Just have a murder, go on a rampage, and actually show us the details. Show us the details. I mean, come on, dude. If you have characters... That bites people's heads off. And there's no blood that comes from that. You got a problem. I guarantee that if this movie would have been directed by Guillermo del Toro. Or James Gunn. Or James Wan. A horror, uh, one of the greatest horror directors living right now. I guarantee this movie would have been way better. And they would have pushed for the rated R feature. Instead of doing what Sony is doing. Or Sony was trying to do. Now maybe I'm getting a little bit too ahead of myself. Maybe eventually. In a couple of months. There will be a rated R director's cut. And if there is. And they're utilizing that to try to drive up the Venom 2. The Venom Let There Be Carnage sales. Even up more. Where it can surpass a billion dollars. That's one thing. And I would see it in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. But I spoke a lot about Carnage as it is. Let me backtrack a little bit. And let me talk about what I did love. And what I didn't like. What I loved. I loved the dynamic. That continued. Between Venom and Eddie Brock. I love that. I love their little scuffle. I love their little fight. I love the fact that they're growing. They're actually growing as two beings into one body where you have the roommate essentially or the fact that they love each other. That they actually care about each other. I love seeing that. Even though it was the main basis of the entire film, I actually love seeing that because it gives us a perspective of what it would be like to actually live with someone literally 24-7 and what would happen. Especially when you have Venom that has much more of a personality than anything else. In the comics and in the games, he's essentially a dumbass. But he's a lovable dumbass. You can love him and accept what he is. So I love that. 
I love the visual effects. I loved how Venom looked. I love how Carnage looked. I loved the fight scenes. Even though it was a little too short, I loved the fight scene. I loved the fact that you had moments where Eddie Brock was being sort... Well, eh, this is more of an in-between of me loving and hating. You had Eddie Brock slash Venom being like a detective because he's a reporter. He's a reporter, and we actually see him doing reporting things, even though he's done it already in the first Venom movie. We actually see him do it in this movie, especially when he found Cletus Cassidy's body, uh, Cletus Cassidy, the, the bodies that Cletus Cassidy has buried and has stored away. So I did love that. Aside from everything else, I really enjoyed this movie. Even though I have so many nitpicky things, I did enjoy this movie. I really did. You know, I didn't hate it like everybody else. I really did enjoy it. So, before you have this thinking, well, oh, did you hate the movie? No. I just knew I'm so heavenly critical of it because I know it could have been done way better. I'm going to talk about more things. I loved She-Venom, even though she should have been utilized a little bit more. I love the fact that you had an indication that Anne loved Venom as well. That she loved bonding with the symbiote herself and that's why even though it was her way of trying to seduce Venom when she was trying to be flirty in the um in the scene where Venom took over Mrs. Chen I thought that was fucking funny by the way but goddamn I wanted more of she Venom oh my god it was such a missed opportunity I wanted more of she Venom I really did I really did she was like the she was like one of the main highlights of the first film fucking hell I really wish that I talk about everything that I did like. Let me talk about the things that I didn't like. For one thing, I've heard some complaints that Woody Harrelson was a miscast for being Cletus Cassidy. I don't want to go as far as to say he was a miscast. But I do think he wasn't utilizing the character of Cletus Cassidy enough. Like I said, the fact that this was PG-13 means that he was limited to do the things that he could do. I mean, yeah, he beat the crap out of a store clerk, but he didn't really do anything that insinuated that he is this monster, this 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 psychopath killer, serial killer like Cletus Cassidy. We don't really see him do anything. If you truly think about it, we don't really see... Yeah, he went away for, you know, doing what he did to his family, and we've seen that through picture drawings... Okay, we said we see that through picture drawings, but we don't really see him do any of the things that a serial killer is supposed to do. Where where it's been told to us, it's like one of those things, you know. Show don't tell, show don't tell. So that was a missed opportunity. I did not give a shit about his romance with Shriek. I did not give two shits about that at all. If anything, Shriek was basically used as a plot device to give Carnage a weakness. Because as we know, symbiotes are sensitive to fire and sound. So that to me was just used as a plot device. I didn't give a fuck about their relationship. If anything, I feel like they had a missed opportunity where they could have had both Venom and She-Venom, however that would have been done. Maybe Venom gives a piece of himself to She-Venom or have She-Venom take over for a long period of time and actually went one-on-one with Shriek. That would have been fucking awesome because then it would have given Anne much more of a presence and much more of much more of a role than her just being a side character or someone that needs to because essentially she's essentially the I keep saying that a lot she's essentially the bridge that puts Venom and Eddie back together again so in a way if Shriek was used as a plot device to give Carnage a weakness and was a plot device to bring Venom and Eddie Brock back together again Again, it's things like this, it's little nitpicky details like this that really bothers me because they could have been utilized way better than what it was. So there was that. I've already ranted much about the rated R thing, about the PG-13 thing, so let me not get into that. I did not like the fact that the fight was too short. 
in a way, if you truly think about it, the first act and the second act were pretty forgettable. The third act was the thing that really counted because we wanted to see Venom versus Carnage and we finally see the fight and then it's over in like minutes. It's kind of the same complaint that I had with Batman v Superman when that movie came out. The fight was too goddamn short. And you thought that maybe with these two characters that are clashing against each other, father versus son, Venom versus Carnage, you would think that they would have more scenes where they would actually fight against each other, and they just didn't. They fucking didn't, man. And I understand that we were building up to this, but maybe why don't you have a film where they can actually fight each other somewhere in the second act of the second act of the movie, and then Venom gets his ass whooped. And then you can have a moment where Venom, with a character progression where he's building himself up and, and, he's, and, and he realizes where he has self-doubt and it's Eddie that brings him back up where Eddie, and it would be a character progression on him where Eddie can think to himself, you know what, we can do this. We, we got our asses kicked and, and that might be your son and maybe you are a loser, maybe we are losers. But you need to understand, Venom, we are one. We can do this. We are Venom. Something along those lines. Instead, it happened very quickly. Very just way right through. I mean, hell, you saw how Venom was essentially scared of Carnage. You could have had a scene where he has self-doubts for himself and he doesn't even know if he could beat him and it takes supporting characters like Eddie, like Anne, like anybody else to pull himself back together for him to be the lethal protector. And then you had the movie where they're insinuating that they are the lethal protector, but they don't do anything. Yeah, they solved crimes and they found the bodies of Cletus Cassidy's buried, but they don't. Uh, they established in the ending of the first film where Eddie Brock came to Venom and he's like, well, you can harm, hurt, maybe even eat bad people. And Venom is having a casual conversation where he's like, fine, but I don't want to tell the difference. If we see you preying on innocent lives and we'll eat both your arms and then both your legs and we will eat your face over your little head. You know, things like that. Instead, there was none of that. Instead, it was Eddie pulling him back, pulling Venom back, and not realizing the true potential of the character. Here's another thing that really bothered me, and this is a very nitpicky thing. Carnage voice was too darkened, too, a little bit too similar to Venom. His octave should have been way higher than what it was. These octaves should have been way higher than what it was supposed to be. If you remember the 90s TV show and a few of the games, you can tell his octaves, that is what made Carnage Carnage. That is what made Cletus Cassidy who he is. It's it's the essential laugh. It's the essential... It's why I did the voice at the beginning of this episode. If you don't believe me, just listen to these. Just listen to a few of these voices. Just a few of them. One of them was from Sean Schemmel, played by Goku. One of them was from the '90s show. I forgot his name, but just listen to these voices, just real quick. Hang on, I, I got you. Just, just listen. Our flame-headed friend sent us to get this. Call us Carnage. Think of the damage we can do now, man. <laughs> You going, Spider-Man? Come back here, Spider-Man! Die! 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 Get real, Pops! I almost strapped you and the Spider-Guy before! I am the ultimate insanity! I am Carnage! Hey, kiddies! It's Carnage time! As you can see, those were just a few examples of what it is that I'm talking about. Do you see the difference? And those were just a few of the examples. The first one was from the Spider-Man, the animated series. The second one, if memory serves me correctly, was from the Spider-Man game in early 2000. And the third one, I believe it was from a game, RX something, I forgot what it was, but Sean Schimmel voiced that one, the voice of Goku. 
The difference is night and day. The difference is that those three voices depicted exactly who Carnage slash Cletus Cassidy is. Those three voices utilized, no matter if it's different versions or not, captures the true essence of who Carnage really is. You hear those voices, you're in a way you can be and you are instantly terrified. So, again, it's a nitpicky thing. And I understand that movies like to be different from the comics and they like to be different from the games. They like to be their own entity. I completely understand that. But I just showed you, I just, I just let you hear three good, great examples of how Carnage was supposed to sound. And like I said from the very beginning, as a fanboy, as a fan, as a true fan of these characters, the symbiotes, Spider-Man characters in general, I instantly put myself to think to myself, you know what, this could have been done way better than what it was. And if I'm feeling that way, chances are other people, other true diehard fans, way more diehard than I am, felt the exact same way. It sucks. It really does. That you can have a movie with so much potential to be better than what it was and they gave us that. It really sucks. I know we're going to be going to pass an hour here, but I want to bring this last thought before I put this podcast to a close. Let's talk about the the mid credit scene. Awesome mid credit scene. It's now established that Venom can now become MCU canon. Chances are he might make a cameo. He might make a cameo for the Spider-Man No Way Home movie. It'll be a short cameo, but it'll be a cameo nonetheless. And this is just me guessing. But we can finally have a crossover in terms of Tom Hardy's Venom and Tom Holland's Spider-Man going up against each other. And this would be fucking badass to see. Because as you saw in the mid credit scene, the whole environment around Eddie and Venom changed. Which means the breaking of the universe that has been established from Loki and in a way made this happen. So time can only tell what's going to take place. Maybe, just maybe, it could be a moment where they fight against each other and they can become frenemies. They could go one-on-one and work together. Again, it's been established many times in the comics, many times before. It's an awesome, it was an awesome thing, and I loved it. I loved it a lot. Although it wasn't as better, it wasn't as great. eh, mm. If I have to say what was my favorite mid credit scene, it will probably be the revealing of J. Jonah Jameson um, from Spider-Man Far From Home. I don't think anything can top that. I really don't. But then again, you know, again, it's it's a subjective feeling. It's it's subjective nonetheless. Overall, as I said earlier, I did enjoy this movie. I liked it. Would I see it again? Absolutely. Would I buy the DVD if it comes out for rated R director's cut? I will spend 25 to 30 bucks or whatever the price it would be just to get that by itself. So, sorry, my my stomach is doing the rumblies. I would spend all of that money to get that. And I'm probably going to buy more Venom and, and Carnage merchandise sales. Because, again, I am such a huge fan of these characters. And I really hope, I really, really hope Sony takes this as an indication. Even though chances are, because it's been doing very well at the box office during the weekend alone. It's already surpassed Black Widow obviously, and it's slowly going to surpass Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, if it hasn't already. But I'm really hoping Sony, if they're going to continue on with these characters moving forward, especially with characters like Morbius, Kraven, The Sinister Six, or whoever, whatever project that they have sometime in the future, take the chance and embrace the rated R feature. Just take it. Just take the chance, Sony. Take the chance. 
Now, to end this, to end this once and for all before we head into the final thing. Someone asked me earlier today, why is it that people always views this as a negative thing? Why is it that they love to hate on a movie like this? Why is it that they love to hate on everything that comes out and all of a sudden they instantly shit it on this movie? And in a way, I kind of did the same thing too. I kind of did. I'm not going to lie. I kind of did. But I have a reason for it. And that reason is this. There are two reasons actually. Number one, human beings in general, we love to hate. We love to hate on shit. It's what it is. I still hate on Captain Marvel. It's a terrible movie. Like, worst to me, top three worst Marvel MCU movies of all time. I hated Cassandra Kane from Birds of Prey. So there's something about hating on something that makes us feel better. Maybe it's because we either feel less of ourselves or the fact that we just want to get our rage out there because we just want to feel better in some way, shape, or form. I get it. You know, I, there's a psychological term to it. I don't remember what it is. Maybe it's that. We just love to hate on shit. The second reason is a simple fact that we place these movies at such a high pedestal. We place these movies in such a high regard because we've seen great Marvel movies and comic movies in general. We've seen them before. We've seen what they can do. Okay? The Dark Knight, Joker, Infinity War, Endgame, Logan... The list can go on and on. We've seen great, spectacular comic book films. Uh, Civil War or... Uh, um, what, which, which is the other one? Fal not Falcon. Captain America the Winter Soldier. We've seen great movies. And we know they can do better. We know they can. But it's like always... If the writing is shit, the movie's gonna be shit. If the directing is shit, the directing's gonna be shit. And remember, this was directed by Andy Serkis himself. Fucking Gollum. This was directed by Andy Serkis himself. So you would think, and everything was visually stunning. But again, it could have been way better than what it was. So that's why I think we just hate on something instantly. And... Again, we, we hold them to such high regards. We really do. So to end this off, if I was going to give an honest, honest rating of this movie, I want to give it a 3.5 out of 5. I really do. Because even though I complained about so much of this film, I still enjoy it. I still enjoyed it and I would see it again. But because it's a PG-13 movie and I have to be completely unbiased in terms of the reason, in terms of why I stated the way I stated, I'm going to go down to a 3. A 3 out of 5. Essentially, 6 out of 10. If you're basing it out of 10, just times the 2. 6 out of 10. Okay? 6 out of 10. And... Hopefully, if the director's cut comes out, if the rated R version comes out, and God willing it does, in a couple of months, I will go back to the theater and I will highly praise it because that is the Venom slash Carnage movie that I want to see. And who knows, maybe we'll see another symbiote come back in the future. That's all I gotta say about that. Well, guys, that was a hell of a doozy. We've already made it past an hour. Jesus, man. Essentially, the longest episode that I had on my own. On my own. But thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for having the patience to listen to what I was going to say. As I said before, there will be timestamps uh, in the description of this episode so if you don't want to listen to me rant about the first four things and you just want to go straight to the point to venom then there will be a timestamp for that if you have any questions comments or concerns i mean i've pretty much said everything that i needed to say but if you disagree with me in any way shape or form you know what to do voice of garcia on Twitter or Instagram you know where to reach me you know where to find me you know where to contact me and considering that I mostly use Twitter because yesterday, Instagram, Facebook, and WhatsApp shut down for a few hours, Twitter is the best way. Twitter is the best way to reach me. I'm just saying, I'm already losing my voice. I'm just saying, if there is a way to reach me, to get a hold of me, Twitter is the way to go. 
And that's about it. That is about it. Now, let's end this night off properly. Let's go into our super villain quote of the day. And this one is from Carnage himself. Because why the hell not? Why the hell not? Because let's face it. Carnage, and I'm talking about Carnage, man. You know, god damn. He says, I'm going to see if I can try to do this in the Carnage way. Neither one of us can survive without the other. Forget host. Forget symbiote. There is only Carnage. Okay, now my throat really does fucking hurt. <laughs> Hopefully I did that justice. Hopefully I did the character of Carnage proud. Guys, have a great the next few days, I will be back Friday. Hopefully that there will be something quick to talk about. And as always, when it comes to the world of comic book news, games, shows, movies, or whatever the case may be, always remember, if you hear about it and you read about it, I talk about it, controversial or otherwise. Stay safe. Till next time, I'm done. I'm through. Peace out.